Welcome to the latest edition of the LFC podcast, coming to you the day after, the night before, Group E of the Europa League, Liverpool 2, Union saint Jules nil. It was billed as the battle of the McAllister brothers, uh, Alexis McAllister and Kevin McAllister, coming up against each other. But neither of them got on the score sheet. Uh, however, it was lovely to see them uh, post-match, doing interviews together and, and also all the build-up beforehand was all very friendly and uh, familiar. And it's also great to see their dad in the, in the stand as well, too. Um, obviously, guys, there's been a lot of fallout, <laughs> to say the least, from what happened on the weekend. Um, it's been a very painful week for, for the fans, for the team, for the manager in terms of having to count his losses. Um, and also there's the, the Brighton match to look ahead to, but... If we can just touch upon the match from last night, first of all. They scored two goals, which came at the end of either half. Ryan Gravenberch bagging in the 44th minute after a spillage that Andre Nano would have been proud of. And the lead was doubled in the second minute of injury time in the second half by Diogo Jota. It was straightforward. It was uneventful, it was uninspiring. It was about as uneventful and uninspiring and dull as a 2-0 victory can be. And Liverpool just felt a bit flat. I think there's a couple of valid reasons for that. One of which is, quite simply, they're playing in a competition that they've got no interest in being in. Certainly not in the early stages. There's nothing after you've watched Champions League fixtures uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday to inspire you and it's going to be that way until we get into the knockout stages in the new year that's just the way it is um, Liverpool as a club just have to deal with that they've got themselves into this competition they've got a very good chance of progressing in it but they're just going to have to go through the motions um, and so that really came across for me you know in the ground like I said that there was like this underlying feeling of I don't know, just being underwhelmed by the whole occasion. So that's one thing. Uh, the competition, the nature of it, the fact we're big fish in a small pond. But the other thing is, quite frankly, I think the club are still in recovery mode in terms of trying to get over what happened last week. Uh, I think it's taken an emotional and mental toll. That one bad decision in isolation, uh, the offside against Spurs I'm talking about, of course, is one thing. But the sendings off, the the um, injury to Gakpo, it's all been a bit much. And with all the media attention coverage it's had, Liverpool, I think, were right to um, ask for a recording. But what's come out of the recording where it's kind of confirmed what we all thought, complete incompetence, not being aligned with the referees, what the referee wanted to check for. Um, but it was, it's just a shambles, right? But that, to me, has dragged on, and you could feel it in, in the stands yesterday. You could feel it in the manager's demeanour. You could feel it and sense it online. I'm part of four Liverpool WhatsApp groups, and not, well, not one message in three of those groups was about the game. No one had any interest in it. So... Good, we got the victory. But it's kind of like 
when you receive a birthday card from a loved one, you expect to get one, but it doesn't really stick in your mind. You open the card, you have a quick read of it, put it in a drawer or put it in a bin and you move on with your life. Um, and that's that's kind of where we're at with this competition and definitely where Liverpool are at in terms of uh, their performance levels yesterday. Pretty forgettable. I guess one important thing to think about was the structure of the midfield in terms of personnel. Endo came in alongside Ryan Gravenberch. It was great to see Ryan Gravenberch grab his first goal. Uh, and it was supported by Harvey Elliott. This is not a midfield that I expect or hope to see much of. Um, maybe in the short term you're going to see more of Endo because, we again, we still don't have that certified uh, holding presence. But, as I say, it's a long way behind um, you know what what we've been used to seeing. However, in the short term, one of the things that's that we're going to pay the price for from last Saturday's events is we're going to be out without Curtis Jones for three games. So we received two red cards against Tottenham. The second one for uh, Diogo Jota was two yellows, and the Premier League have helpfully come out and rubbed salt into the wounds to say that that shouldn't have been the sending off. But there's nothing we can do about it. He's still going to miss that one game. In the case of... Curtis Jones, again, another harsh red, but filed in the, you know, by the letter of the law, can see why it was given. That one is going to be a lot more damaging. I think the optics will tell you with Curtis Jones, particularly from the end of last season through to pre-season and into new campaign, that he's someone who is really important to the way that Liverpool play. That is backed up robustly by the stats. Uh, there's an amazing stat, which I actually heard on another podcast, that Curtis Jones is only second to Rodri in terms of or ball retention. That's an amazing stat. Think about the fact that Curtis Jones plays so high up the pitch in an area where you're more likely to lose the ball as moves break down, but his turnover... Of possession and, and the way he keeps the ball and the way he keeps things ticking over. He's become a really instrumental part of the team. Whereas Rodri plays much deeper. He's in the area of the pitch where he's got a lot more time. He plays for a team who centre their whole strategy around keeping the ball. Um, and so it's a really impressive stat, but then also quite a worrying one in the sense of what the impact might be on the team going forward. Uh, for our coming fixtures, where we're going to be missing him. Next game is against Brighton, and we think about you know the fact that we want to press high up the pitch. We've got a score to settle, as Jurgen Klopp did allude to today. We want to see a really good performance, we want to see lots of energy, but we're not going to get that from Curtis Jones. He's not going to be there. Therefore, we need to be looking at alternative solutions. And this is the reason that Ryan Gravenberch was brought in. People said, oh, you need a defensive midfielder. Why don't you get another attacking one? We needed both. We got one for a good price, good profile, and um, solid experience, if not lots of games um, for his previous club. But you can see the quality is there. But I do think it's going to force Liverpool to play in a very different manner to what we're used to. 
And what I mean by that is I'm not convinced that when it comes to the ball retention that we're speaking about with Curtis Jones, that that's something that Ryan Gravenberch necessarily has in his locker. I think he might be a bit more direct um, and looking to get involved, which is a good thing, I guess, in actually scoring and and uh, creating chances. So he's going to have to adjust to the team, but the team are also going to have to adjust to him. But in terms of what I've seen and the fact that he's got some minutes in his legs, he's got momentum, I'm not overly concerned. It's just three games feels like a lot. I do expect when we meet Brighton this weekend, and we'll get into a bit more detail about it later, that Liverpool will be going for the jugular because now they have to get three points. I think going into that Spurs game, I looked at those two fixtures, Brighton and Tottenham, and thought, okay, we want to hit that target of 17 wins between the start of the season and New Year. We can afford probably to drop points in one of these games. And when I say points, I was thinking of a draw. I was thinking four points out of these two games. Now, we lost that game, or it was stolen from us, and the opportunity to, to go top was taken from us. We now have to make sure we go there and get three points. I'm convinced they can do it, but um, yeah, let's come on to that in a, in a little bit. I just want to bring it back to and tie up the conversation around what happened this previous week. Uh, which is difficult for all of us to take. Like I say, I, I think it did leave a bit of a, a mental hangover for, for most of us. I think, and I sincerely believe this, Liverpool, in terms of the way they managed 10 against 11, were going to go on and win that game. The way they managed 9 against 11 looked like they were going to draw the game uh, against a good side, but that side isn't as good as us, for sure. If you had any doubts, look back out what the team produced, what the manager produced, what the manager was capable of doing to switch things up, to keep Liverpool in the game, to keep them competitive, and tell me that there's a better team whose name isn't Man City in this league. There isn't. So that was one positive thing to come out of that game. It reinforced to me what I knew about my team, that we're an excellent side. Obviously, with the (laughs) Jota injury, not ideal, um, sorry, with the Jota suspension, not ideal. Uh, but the Gakpo injury is going to be one that is going to impact us in the short term because it means reliance on Darwin Nunes. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. But I'm hearing a lot of Darwin Nunes slander. I'm, I'm hearing people questioning you know, his true value to the team. Is he the real deal? I believe he's going to be. And I believe that's going to happen this season. The reason that question marks have been raised, again, is because we saw it against, I think it was Aston Villa. Uh, and now we've seen it against Union in the Europa League, where Darwin Nunes will get a simple chance and not put it away. Of course it's concerning, but footballers miss open goals all the time. The fact is he's getting into those positions... He's working defenders. He's given them things to, to worry about. He does cause anxiety in defences. And that alone, I'll tell you, it's worth, it's worth a lot. It's worth a lot to the team. I don't have 
anxieties about Darwin Nunes like a lot of other Reds fans do. I do believe he's gonna he's gonna come good. I should say he'll continue to to come good and continue to prove his value to the team. This season already he's surpassed where I thought he might be. It was interesting that he didn't start against Spurs, but I just thought he was always going to come on and always going to be an impact player in that match. Unfortunately, because of the way things transpired, he didn't make it onto the field. But he now has a really important role to play. So let's talk about Saturday. Starting on Saturday, I expect Darwin Nunes to be, again, showing and proving his worth to the team. I feel that he's going to bring us a dynamic uh, which Brighton will find it very difficult to handle. And I think this game might be a bit of a shootout. And we love a shootout of a team because usually we're not the ones to get shot. <laughs> Liverpool are a very dangerous attacking side, but they're going to need to really carefully manage the threat that Brighton pose. Brighton, I've said it before, they're an overrated team in the sense of the plaudits that they receive from the media. It's not that they're... I think they're not a very good team. They are a very good team. They're not a team that you'd expect to be in the argument for winning any kind of trophy. They're not a team that you'd expect to be... I know they got to the final, by the way, in the League Cup, but you know what I mean. They're not a side that you look at and fear, or you wouldn't fear them if you were going to a final with them tomorrow. You'd respect them, and you know you'd have to be at your best, but look at some of their recent results and performances. Uh, yes, they they... Should have lost against Marseille. They were 2-0 down. They showed a lot of spirit to bring it back to 2-2. But they're showing defensive fallibility. When they went to Aston Villa, they got pummeled. I think it was 6-1. This was recently. Was it last week? I think it might have been. Last week is all a blur to me. Point is, it proves that they have a lot of ground to make up to even think about being a top four side. You know, you can't repeatedly lose your best players. And then expect to compete. You know, look at the players. They've lost McAllister to us. And they've brought in James Milner. Who I don't think anyone is missing in terms of, you know, trying to move on and move forward as a club. That's that's not the signing of, of a club that are looking to push for top four. They're looking for consolidation. As such, they are going to prove uh, a tough nut to crack, but a very crackable nut that makes sense so I have lots of optimism for the weekend I believe we'll win the match I don't think it's going to be straightforward but I do believe the lads will dig in they'll get the job done and get us back on track because unfortunately things out of our control meant that we're we're now we're now kind of in a situation we can't really afford to drop points and be picking up draws let alone defeats